This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Oh yes, here we go. Welcome to House of Champions, everybody. YouTube friends, drop in your comments and questions in that chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we review the games from today's World Cup. It has been emotional as match day two begins. With us today, Nigel Rio Coker. Golf club. Michael LaHood. Yeah, baby! <laughs> and Lucho Garcia. Welcome, boys. How you doing? Nigel, how you feeling, man? Everything good? Everything good? I'm yeah? great. I'm just I'm just happy Lucho's here because I think we've got some great intelligent football sense here and understanding that that's only a point, but you guys are celebrating <laughs> like it shows the bar where you guys are happy to be. <laughs> Just going to remind you that Luis Garcia is more English than you, man. That guy's got a lot of good Yeah. How are you doing, Michael LaHood there? Big uh, big performance. Not the goal, obviously, that was uh, probably out there for the U.S. Just didn't have that killer around the box, did they? Yeah, but you, you got to love the team spirit. You got to love the heart that they showed to stand up once again against the bloody English. Bloody English. All right. <laughs> Hello, Lucho, lads. How you doing, lads? I'm okay, lads. Yeah, lads. <laughs> what did you think of the English there, Lucho? Just real quickly. You're, you're, especially the Liverpoolian players out there. Jordan Henderson, when he came to the side of the pitch, I thought, oh, my God, England seemed desperate here. What, what is happening here? I think that the Henderson just was watching from outside. He's, you know, he's a passionate guy, and, uh, and he wanted to go in and start pushing people. You could see that he was just desperate to go in and press high and try to regain the ball and do something because definitely I was expecting a little more from this England side where they could be qualified already if they push a little bit, they try a little bit, but they were happy with the point. So not sure about that. All right, let's get into it. Match day two just wrapped up for Group B. England obviously sitting pretty top of the group there. Iran second place now with the three points and a massive win. But we begin with England and USA. It finished nil-nil. This was an excellent game. I thought it was a fantastic watch. Nigel might disagree with me and he'll give his comments in just a moment in time. But for any US soccer fan out there who had doubts about their players, the ability of their players, the confidence of their players, the spirit and determination certainly was washed away, Michael Hood, with that performance, especially in the first half. 
I thought they were terrific. These are a young group of players who went out there with no fear and took on England pretty well. Yeah, I thought one of the moments of brilliance, and it's a small detail, Walker Zimmerman, to block that Harry Kane chance early on, that was a difference. That sets the tone. You knew England was going to come out. It's like when you're playing a heavyweight fighter, you know that the favorite is going to come out and try and land the knockout blow from the first bell. But in, for the U.S., they withstood the pressure in the first five minutes, and then they settled into the game. And it was being patient. It was making in England chase, not trying to hurry up the attack. And once... That first ball got out wide, and Weston McKinney gets in the box. Man, I, I was sipping on a beer, and I almost spilled it on myself just because I couldn't believe that they were growing in the game. And and really, the Christian Pulisic opportunity, it's just really professional performance from the U.S. England were flat, lacklustered, underwhelming, and just unenthusiastic. England were absolute poor. There's nothing I could say on this pod that these English lads are not going to face back in England with the scrutiny they're going to get from the press and the media. England and Gareth Southgate is going to get absolutely hammered. This falls on the feet on Gareth Southgate because for me, again, I'll get to USA in a second. But Look at that me, comment, Nigel. What? <laughs> <laughs> he said he just lost his, house going, he lost his house going on the tip that England were going to smash him. <laughs> Listen, everyone thought England would win that game, but for me... Gareth Southgate has to take a big part of this blame. I think that for me, in, in my opinion, you look at the performance against Iran, yes, different game. It's group football. It's tournament football. You need to freshen up that team. There should have been some changes made from that team earlier on to play on the front foot, to be aggressive, to press and put this young team under pressure. But for me, they showed America so much respect and credit to the US team because they played well. For me, this is the best game I've seen America play. And my man of the match, my Fanboy, my favorite USA player for me now is Tyler Adams. That was an absolute captain's performance. That kid was phenomenal. He set the standard. He should be the poster child of US soccer with his performance. He was phenomenal. But for me, like I said, England were lackluster. England let this go. And I think they feel they can turn the switch on. And this is the problem with England. It's a bit of arrogance. And when they've played top teams, when they come across the likes of Spain, Germany, Brazil, Argentina, they fall short because they don't stick to what makes them good, and against Iran, what made them good, attacking, free-flowing, direct. They couldn't get in behind this USA team. For what reason? They've got pace. You've got Raheem Sterling up there. You've got players with great pace. Why not isolate them in one-on-one -on -one situations and take them on? But it goes again sometimes where everyone wants to play this beautiful football, tiki-taki, the Spanish are the best at it. There's no denying. We're not the Spanish. Mix it up a bit. Be a bit more direct, a bit more old-fashioned wing play. There was none of that there. Everyone coming to the ball, no movement, slow, laboured, but credit to USA. And uh, for me, Tyler Adams was the main man for USA. Listen, Tyler Adams was certainly up there, but Yunus Musa for me, absolutely took this game to the next level. I thought mm. he was freaking unbelievable. Obviously, Lucho, you cover him in La Liga um, so frequently. I want to get your your thoughts on England, but before we get to England, you can even transition to into England. Uh, talk to me about this US squad, because you have been watching them for a couple of years now since you've been a part of the CBS Sports family. This was up there with one of the best performances from the United States boys. I mean, these are boys. These are not yet men. We're talking about 20 22, 23-year-old boys learning and really putting out performance against a very good England side today. Um, what did you think of the overall performance from, uh, from the US boys? It was fantastic, Ian, to be honest. Uh, they dominated the whole center of the midfield. I mean, you're talking about that. I totally agree with Nigel, with uh, Taylor. Adam. It was magnificent. But the two guys next to him, they also made it also easy. 
uh, Yunus Musai, McKinney, they were all over the place. Well, wide open, trying to press what is the times. I think Berhalter was trying to overload uh, of players in the middle of the park to try to not let uh, uh, Bellingham being on the ball is the key player for them. He's the one who have to turn and link with the players up front. And they did so well. But apart from that, they were the ones bringing the ball forward. They were the ones arriving in second line. They were the ones when they have to track back and make the transition in defense. I think they were uh, fantastic. And you need to have that if you want to dominate the game and have chances to win against England. And we are going to talk, of course, about England later on. But definitely for me, the, the, the difference was like that. You go into the midfield, you try, you battle, you fight with each other, and then you bring the ball to the ones up front that today they didn't have many options. I think uh, uh, where didn't have enough balls or right didn't have enough balls arriving because, of course, you are playing against top centre-backs, Stones and, uh, and uh, Maguire. They are top defenders. They did also a very good job. But you could see that there would be a moment where uh, between Pulisic arriving also in second line, trying to bring, uh, trying to find that spot, that gap. I think they were fantastic. So I was very, very impressed. They, they never lost the composure. The, the team looked very conf- confident on the ball, and that's something that uh, we were not expecting from such a young uh, uh, kid uh, playing uh, at the World Cup. I mean, against England. Yeah, very impressed. BC2 jumping in with a comment here. He says, Mike, you're looking like a proud dad. (laughs) What was missing from this performance, though, Mike, from the U.S. getting a draw, nil-nil, from the U.S. actually getting the three points? Because they looked to me incredibly dangerous. Obviously, when they went forward, they were free-flowing. But once they got around that penalty area, what seems to be lacking for me is that freaking killer around the box. Had you right played well, don't get me wrong, but there's just not that killer. don't have that finisher. I think this was a game where if Greg Berhalter, when you're a manager and you're nil-nil against England, you're in a match where people are telling you you're going to get smashed. In our group, lots of three zeros. I even saw one, three, one. And I said, forget about it. Brooklyn accent emphasis on that one. (laughs) This U.S. team, if Greg Berhalter really wanted to push the envelope, he could have put the the English and just put the the sword right in them because they were there for the taking. I think if that Josh Sargent sub, if Gio Reyna came on earlier, I think he was the type of player that would have excelled in this game. England pushing numbers forward late on once they brought in the likes of Rashford, Jordan Henderson, shocked. We'll talk about England, shocked with some of the players they didn't bring on earlier or at all in this match. But I think including the likes of a Gio Reyna in this game was there for the picking because in the Bundesliga, he has that extra bit of quality that vision, that technical ability to unlock England and the composure in the final third to put the game to bed. All right, Nigel, let's get into the English here. Obviously, England uh, played for the tie. That was a smart strategy from them, says Patrick. Um, But realistically, what is the reaction going to be like towards these English players? I mean, what what is the positive to take from that performance right there for Gareth Southgate? And who's the finger going to be pointed at? Is it the players that he put out there? Or is it Southgate for the team selection, the lack of substitutions? And then when he brought on Jordan Henderson, I thought, I, I don't even know what on earth he's trying to play here. Is he going for a draw? Listen, Ian, from some of the friends I was speaking to back in England, they're already hammering our Harry Kane and hammering Jordan Henderson's substitution. This is going to fall solely on the feet on Gareth Southgate because you've gone from one dynamic, free-flowing, attacking, letting them go out there and play against Iran, complete different opposition. Yes, he already said he, he respects USA, but he showed America way too much respect for the players that we've got. And I think that some of the players that started shouldn't have started. He knows this. It's tournament football. That game there was screaming out for Phil Foden to start. 
Why? Because mm. at Manchester City, mm. how does he play? He plays in that kind of environment, in tight midfield spaces, when it's overcrowded, great on the ball to get past players and be... He needed that ability on the pitch today. But again, I'm not defending England at all because no matter what I say or how many times that the, the fans are commenting and wanting me to destroy them, they're going to get more destroyed than you can ever imagine in England right now because now Gareth Southgate has put the magnifying glass back on himself, his selection and the players. And it's going to be in England, that's not going to be seen as good enough. And that's not being disrespectful to USA because the USA played well, they stayed in it and they probably deserve to win that game. But for England, for the players that they have and the players they have off the bench to come on, that is not going to be seen as a good enough result. Listen, there's some great chances, England, and their quality created those chances, but they absolutely look rattled today, Lucho. What was it about England you think was missing and where do you think they'll try to improve going from here on out? I mean, playing in big competitions, as you know well and truly, especially in World Cups, it's very difficult. You've got to strategically plan game for game for game, um, but whereabouts did you think in the field that maybe England could have done better and probably should have done better? I think that you go for the game. I think the, the, the main thing about the big teams, and you've seen it when France uh, go into the game or with Brazil going into the game or Argentina in the first 45 minutes, Spain, of course, you when you have the amount of talent that you got in your squad in the 11 start and also on your bench, you have to go for it. You cannot be... Um, taking the, 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 a point on these kind of moments because you cannot switch on and off when you want. I mean, you cannot expect them to arrive to the third and then, listen, guys, now we, we need to switch on and then win because you don't know what you're going to face. You don't know if in the first minute you're going to receive a, a, a red card. So for me, it was a little bit about England arriving to the game. Okay, I can give you those first 20 minutes. Of course, uh, US is a very good team at the moment, organized, so you, you need to control to know what they're going to, do but in the moment that you analyze the team, what are they doing? What is the plan? Then you have to go for it. You have to go and try. And if you haven't done enough in the first 60 minutes, change it and try to go for it. Like uh, uh, Nadia just mentioned, you go Rashford, you go Fallen, you go players who can make something different from or, or, or make something or Grealish in the second half. It was even more less sharp that the, uh, the first 60 minutes from uh, from uh, uh, Sterling that he wasn't on the ball. So I was expecting a lot more. And I think that they need to to focus on try to arrive to every single game, you have to win it. You can plan it on, listen, if we feel that we are uh, being aroused and we have to uh, be at the back, okay, let's hold this, control the game and, and see if we can. But from the first moment, you have to go for it. You have to go and try to win the game. Just a quick one, uh, Ian, as well. Did you hear the booze at the end of the game? Yeah. And that's a that's a nil-nil draw, but you heard the booze, right? And I'm sure it's not going to be from USA fans about the USA performance, but those boos were ringing loud. And that's from England fans. I'm telling you, it's only here, but watch what it's going to be like in England. They're going to get absolutely slaughtered. I don't know. It might have been from the US fans. They wanted a goal in that game because they knew there was a goal out there in that game. Let's get to some of the comments coming in here. KY718 says, Adams would have put Foden in his pocket. Old school Nigel Rio Coker days. Put him in his pocket there. Poor from England says, Smog. Uh, Richie Walker says, Nigel, just take the L. It's okay to admit it. Didn't you know what you were talking about with the US men's national team? Massimo Caprino, with England's World Cup expectations, this is definitely a poor result. They didn't create much chances. Luigi jumping in just a moment ago 
saying this was arguably the most boring game in the World Cup so far. If I jump back a few of the comments ago, we've got a lot of people talking about, yet again, another nil-nil game in a World Cup here. Another nil-nil. If I'm not mistaken, that's the fifth nil-nil game in this World Cup. Uh, Mike, I'm coming back to you about the US men's national team. It's only a point. They've only got two points in this group. They're still sitting in third place. But going into this group stage, um, would you have taken... You're sitting in that final game, match day three against Iran. Yeah. If you beat them, you go through. Would you have taken that? Absolutely. This is bringing back shades of 2010. I said it in the morning update, and I'll say it again. This was the sort of game that made you believe or disbelieve or have unbelief about this US MNT team. Are they for real or are they just here to participate? To go up against a team that's in the top five in the world rankings in England. Are, is this England team in the best of form? Well, after that first game, we were all singing their praises. I will say this again. I am not completely sold about this England team at the World Cup. I think they have such a core of players who are not in the best of forms, and it's mixed with players who are in quality form, the likes of Jude Bellingham, Bakayo Saka, Marcus Rashford is a player in form. Phil Foden has had a good season the last two seasons. If you want to be for real England, you need to put your best players on the field. For the U.S. men's national team, this is what you dream of if you are a player, a young player. You have one game to, that defines your World Cup legacy in your young history, and I think this is going to be all to play for against a very good Iran team. This is more of the Iran team that we expected going into the World Cup, very disciplined, very explosive on the counter, and they have a lot of passion and emotion because of what's happening off the field. Patrick jumping in and saying England are perfectly positioned to win the group here. Roland Vasquez saying, can Wales get a result against England? That's the big question because earlier on today, Wales went down by two goals to nil against Iran. It was two late goals. Chesme and Raizan with the goal. I loved his celebration, by the way, scoring a World Cup goal, assisted by Taremi. Um, there was a red card 86 minutes into the game. Hennessy uh, picked up that red card. Wayne Hennessy is only the third goalkeeper ever to receive a red card at a World Cup. Um, and then um, we've got to give credit to Iran, what they were going through going into this game and what they have been going through as a nation politically, but also the pressure, the burden on their shoulders to do well at a World Cup, to win in the fashion that they did do. Luis Garcia, that was something pretty special from Iran this morning against Wales. They deserved the three points. They deserve it. I mean, it was amazing that the Wales, we saw a couple of uh, woodwork just before the goals and they deserve it. I think the intensity that they put in every single game, they put it in their heart. They know that they are not only fighting for what they love, that is football, but they know what they go back in the country. And you can see every single uh, player that comes uh, to the uh, to the press conference, uh, they they always mention the ones that are suffering. Everybody is giving an extra boost, and now they're open. Now they know that after the big defeat in the first game, they thought, "Listen, this is the first one. We all can have a ba a bad game in this World Cup, but that's it." So, at the moment, is a very dangerous thing. What you just mentioned, they are very organized. They know how to play with the ball. They are not afraid to have it. They don't. Uh, they are not afraid to dominate. I'm only concerned because at Moon picked an injury. I'm not sure if he's going to be available for mm -hmm. the third game. And that thing, I think, is a big uh, blow for the team because he was recovering. And at the moment, I'm not sure if he's going to be. But having Taremi in, in, in fine four, I think, is a, is a very dangerous team for to play against. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me that um, Iran, now that we're seeing, like Michael said, is the Iran that we expected. We didn't yeah. see that same Iran versus England. Now we're seeing it. First game, obviously, they had the protest with not singing a national anthem. This game, they sang the national anthem. There's a lot going on there. I think it was a great performance. I said it earlier today, Ian. My thing with Iran is technically great. 
technically smart and intelligent footballers, especially in the final third, knowing the right pass, when to pick the right pass, when to make the right pass. And also, it's a different thing now, the desire of this game. USA know they need to win this game. Iran know they need to win this game. It's a different pressure. I think the USA did well today. They played fantastically well, but now it's a different pressure now. Now it's the last game in the group and you have to win to go through. It's easy said than done. People can say it, but what I would add to what Iran have that I think is going to be worrying for me for the USA is that physicality, that real aggression in closing down, getting tight on people. I think that physicality that they have all around the pitch might be a bit of a problem for this USA team. Yeah, watching Iran, what really, really caught my eye was what they did in the second half against England. Well, they just had Taremi up top by himself. He cannot do it by himself. Yes, he's a player in form, but when he plays for FC Porto in the Champions League and in the Portuguese League, he has players running off of him. This was a game where Carlos Queiroz made a tactical wrinkle. Instead of Taremi leading the line, he was playing as a second forward. And you have Asmoon, who's a target striker playing in the Bundesliga for Leverkusen. He was leading the line, and that takes the pressure off Tarami to just hold the ball up and do it all on his own. Now with Asmoon out, the question is, who joins him? Do you go back to a 4-3-3, or do you stick with this 4-4-1-1 that was so effective today? I love what both of you said about that midfield battle and really that ability to press and transition. I think the U.S. men's national team do not get enough credit for their ability to press, their mobility, and their ability to win duels. That is what this game is going to be about. Who is going to win those individual battles and win those duels in midfield? If Iran does that, they will mop the USMNT for 90 minutes. If the U.S. does that, then it leads to a golden opportunity, and that's where being clinical in the final third, who is going to be that attacker? Is it going to be Christian Pulisic? Is it going to be Josh Sargent? Sergeant, one player needs to step up to take responsibility in the final third because they cannot continue to have these chances begging and missing. Nigel, you wanted to add something there. I could see you were eager. To uh, I just laughed at uh, one of the comments, we're going to smash Iran. I'm like, yeah, you definitely don't oh, know no. football if you think you're going to smash Iran. No. Not this Iran. <laughs> Not with that big win and what's going on in this USA. We said it before. This is more than a football game, people. All you American fans, I'm happy for you guys, but this is going to be more than a football game. You're going to see a lot more than just football out there. Yeah, here's a couple of useless stats for you before we move on here. Uh, Rosbert Shesmi's goal, the 97th minute and 56 seconds against Wales, was the latest match-winning strike scored in any World Cup game, uh, excluding extra time. Iran have their first ever victory against European opposition at the World Cup at their 10th attempt. First one, obviously, drawn to lost seven games. Let's discuss real quickly before we head to a quick break here about Wales. Wales have been incredibly shit. You can't even <laughs> deny how bad they've been. Uh, Lucho, uh, I mean, come on. Am I just like seeing things here? A lot of people are telling me that I should, I'm underestimating Wales and Wales should be getting points. They should be, US should have been worried. They were good in the second half against the US, but today they were poor. They were first half poor against the US as well. Nowhere near good enough. They should be no threat for the English, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't definitely. Is. It's a team that is all about the fight. When they're on the ball, they, they look nervous. They look like they, they're in a rush. Uh, you can see that when they are on the ball, they struggle just to, to make a build-up properly. It's just about trying to bring the ball as quick as possible to the players up front. Uh, of course, I'm always looking for Neko because of his uh, former moments uh, with uh, Liverpool. Robertson was, uh, was good today on the right side, but... You cannot see a player who is calm on the ball. And we all knew that Vale is a, 
he's a very good player and he's fantastic, but you need to bring the ball quicker to him. You need to surround it. You need to help him when, when he's on the ball and he, he needs to be closer to the box. If he's not closer to the box, you know that you have no chance to score a goal. And that's why they are struggling just to make and create chances. Can't hear you. <laughs> push, push the mute button. Push the mute button. You know the one, the red one, the mute button. <laughs> it happens. He looked like, look like a jeez. He looked like a Of character for me in Wales, a lack of identity. I said it before. I don't know why they didn't go wide. You've got Gareth Bale and Moore up front. Get crosses into the box. They're both very dominant in the air. They don't have good enough players in that centre midfield areas who are comfortable on the ball to be able to make those forward passes. Ramsey, for me, looks like he's getting fit. Great player when he's fully fit and going, but it looks like he's in preseason right now. They struggled all over the place and they were really poor. I didn't expect Wales to be this bad, if I'm honest. I thought they'll be a little bit more better than they've shown. And there's times where just lack of communication, passes not connecting the final third. They just look like they just started playing for, together for the past week. Yeah, like, I, when, when I look at this Wales team, I look at the disconnectedness between the front two, starting with them, and then that midfield three. And I'm glad you brought up Aaron Ramsey because after the match, I wanted to go to Twitter, go to Google, and put a missing persons claim on Aaron Ramsey for this FIFA World Cup because he's been missing in freaking action. We've only seen him for about 15, 20 minutes against the USMNT. That's only because they got tired in the second half. When we saw Wales at their best at the Euros, when they made that run, it was off the work rate. Aaron Ramsey making those last gap, gasp runs. That's been characteristic of his career at Arsenal with the national team. I don't think he has the fitness. I don't think he has the legs. And Wales cannot function the same. Gareth Bale, I was also going to put a missing persons claim on him today because that disconnection between he and Kiefer Moore, they were playing almost in two different stadiums. Gareth Bale, Hung out on the right. Kiefer Moore running all over the field. Kiefer Moore is built and made to play with someone to come underneath. Every time Wales, in panic mode, kicked the ball forward, Iran won the second ball, and Gareth Bale was just flailing his arms up. And lastly, the subs. The subs lost the game for Wales. Iran made subs. They went on and won the game and made the team better. Wales made subs, and the team got so stretched apart and Joe Allen probably had one of his worst game for Wales, and I feel for him because I actually quite like Joe Allen during his time at Liverpool. I think he's had an amazing career. But what he did today, missed clearance on the first goal and just was left on an island to defend for the counterattack for the second goal. All right, a few comments before we get to break here. KY718 saying, Nigel, I don't know what football you're talking about, but you said England were going to smash us. It looks like you don't even know ball at all. ALC, Nigel, a little bit salty, are you? Chad Harris saying, ha, 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 love it, Nigel. Feel that heat. We're not done yet, Nigel. We're going to keep going. Uh, Chad Harris and again, I can't hear you, boy. Get into me. And Luigi just making fun of the fact that you don't know where your mute button is saying that three hours later, <laughs> Nigel makes a comment. Absolutely fantastic, guys. I love to hear it. Anything from you, Nigel, before we get out of here? Anything else? Oh, yeah. I'm going to defend myself. Listen, I, I admit it. USA played well. I've got no problem with that. But this is the difference. This is where we talk about levels to it, right? All you guys are all happy. you got to draw against England. Oh, we thought you got to draw. Well done. We'll give you guys a participation trophy because that's where you guys are still at. Because really and truly, if you want to progress and say you want to challenge the best in the world and you're up that level, you should be mad that you didn't beat England because England were there for the taking. And that's what you should be focusing on. You should be mad you didn't beat England. Don't have a goal scorer, a real recognized striker in world football that's going to make you guys or take you guys to another level unless you de develop them. 
I can tell the truth when I need to tell the truth. And you guys were good. But if you're happy with your one point and a must-win game against Iran, that's on you guys. I'll, I'll send some participation trophy over to you guys. <laughs> Mate, you still got to take care of business against Wales. You still got to do something against Wales. It's we just talked about how done. poor Wales are. Like, if England lose to Wales, <laughs> exactly. them guys ain't going back to England. They're careful, England, England were not much better. England were not much better. Today. Careful with your wish for. Yeah, careful with your wish for. I'm not Lucho. <laughs> All right, boys, we're going to take a quick break. Thank you so much for your comments on that group. Absolutely fantastic. More of us when we come back here. We're going to take a quick look at uh, match day two as it begins in Group A, and we'll also get Lucho's thoughts on the magic of Spain. You're watching House of Champions. Be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The soccer world's eyes are focused on Qatar for the biggest event on the global stage. Stay up to date with every story and every heart-pounding moment with the Galazzo Starting Eleven newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis and everything you need to know in the world of soccer. Sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Golazzo. Once again, it's the Galazzo Starting Eleven newsletter and you can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash Golazzo. Welcome back yeah. to House of Champions. Nigel, go for it. Look at this, Nobed. <laughs> Is that Jimmy we, Conrad? We were yes, with the champions guy. Yeah, you wanted to text me that. That's my, that's my point. You get yeah, one point against England Jimmy. and I'm getting a picture of from Jimmy Conrad in his yeah, All-American game. Brilliant. One point. You're not even at the group stages. Jesus if Christ. you haven't jumped in the comments yet to get at Nigel Rio Cooker, now is your chance. We've got him for another 10 to 15 minutes here. So if you want to get at I Nigel for him, getting after our Michael LaHood and all Americans, including every single one of us in the United States of America and around the world, now's your opportunity. Let's turn our attention to Spain. Lucho Garcia, former Spanish international. Luis Garcia, let's talk about Spain, Lucho, because they looked absolutely delicious, mate. They made the game look easy. Obviously, it's against an opposition from CONCACAF that not many people were expecting expecting much from but you still got to get the job done and my oh my did they take care of business yeah definitely and that's what I was mentioning about England today going for the game and that's the way that you're going to see Spain playing every single game that they last in this World Cup they're going to go for it they're going to know not 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 trying or speculate with the with the with the score or with the situation with the game we know what we have to do of course in every game you're going to see different Different thing, probably we're not going to see against Germany, uh, Rodri uh, in the back line, something that uh, he wanted to to go for it, Luis Enrique, because he decided to bring another player, overload the midfield with him, he knows how to drive the ball. But I have to say, tell you, Spain look fantastic. 
the middle of the park, up front, the movement, the understanding between the kids, because it's another of these squads in the World Cup that they are so young, but definitely they got so much experience, even though that they've been there for well, how long? Uh, two years. Mm-hmm. So fantastic. I'm very happy to see the, the players enjoying the, the, the game, enjoying the victory. But again, don't sleep on that because uh, Germany is not going to be a team like Costa Rica. You're going to face a very hurt uh, team and with a lot of talent in every single uh, part of the of the team. So it's not going to be the same game, but I'm gonna, I want to see that Spain do it again. Having the ball, being dominant, uh, uh, going with that desire of uh, of scoring goals and not only one, two and three and trying to be at the top of the, ta- of the, of the group. Uh, Lucho, it clearly sounds like you are choosing violence and you want violence against this German national team for 90 minutes. When you've had an emphatic win like that, you put a touchdown with an extra point and you're Spain and you're going up against a wounded animal. How do you take advantage of this German national team in a massive game in the group? From the first minute, uh, Mike, because in the moment, if you know that you got in front of one of the best teams and you had a bad, you, the first 10 minutes, you're going to think, okay, let's go for it. But if you go and Spain start having the ball, start being dominating, start pressing. If you see the other day, these kids are going to be running for 120 minutes without feeling it. Uh, they were the, the Costa Rican players, they were surrounded by four players in every single time. They lose the ball, and the reaction is go to chase you, go to regain again in that in that place, wherever it is on the field. If you're Germany and you control the game, you go for it because you need to win. You cannot even have a draw, you go for it. But if you have Spain being dominant, being with that personality, you struggle. After 15 minutes, you start thinking, wow, we cannot do anything. We cannot control this game. We cannot win this game because that's the mentality at the moment. You can have that mentality for 20 minutes, but in the moment that you've been dominated, your worry is to don't be embarrassed and concede. Remember that this team put a few goals into the back of uh, Germany no long ago. So that's in the back of their head. So it's not going to be an easy game for Germany, definitely. Lucho, obviously we've already discussed about how we we say that Spain don't really have a a recognized striker, a real clinical Mm -hmm. goal scorer. Apart from that, from what you've seen so far, a bit difficult with obviously the Costa Rica game. What other weaknesses are you worried about with Spain? I think they are the small details of uh, uh, individual mistakes. We've seen a lot in the past few months uh, at the back, most of it at the back. You can uh, miss a chance at the front uh, with uh, Morata that he's missed a few chances or with Asensio or with Sarabia. But in the moment that you miss something at the back, then you are have problems. And I think that Luis Enrique is very clear. Yeah, you can dominate the both both boxes in attack and in defense, but I think that those small details, one missed pass, one when you are so confident, you you try to relax and try to play all the time on the build up. That's why he put uh, Rodri uh, the other day. But if that communication between the two centre backs is a mis a, a misjudgment or a misunderstanding, that's when you can hurt because when you play against Costa Rica, okay, the, the strikers that they got up front, maybe they are not as lethal. But when you play against Germany, one mistake can put one and then you have to go and turn that uh, situation. And I think that's the only way that I think that this uh, Spanish thing can, can get beat. Of course, it's football and you know very well, but that's the only weakness that, that I see in this team. 
All right, let's move on to Group A. We've got some great comments coming in to you, Lucho, as well. Before we move on there, Morata, I'm still looking at you sideways. Prove me wrong. Matt Osmond saying, <laughs> Lucho, he's backing for Ria Rojo to win it all. He's backing the Spanish uh, Spanish team to do pretty well. And um, Fabrizio Romano predicted from the very get-go mm. that Spain yeah. would actually go on and win it all, which is a, mm. a brave man. I'm sure, Lucho, you're also believing that they can do it as well. All right, let's turn our attention to Group A, which wrapped up today, match day two. Netherlands sitting pretty at the top of the group, uh, followed very closely by Ecuador, who I thought were absolutely fantastic today. Senegal got their first three points and uh, good job to them as well, getting the job done. Uh, but we begin with a game between the Netherlands and Ecuador. Cody Gakpo opening the scoring. Two goals in two games for him. Absolutely brilliant goal from him. Uh, he's the second Dutch player to score in his first two FIFA World Cup appearances after Memphis Depay back in 2014 and Valencia, 49 minutes in. Uh, Michael Hood, it wasn't going to be anybody else who was going to score for Ecuador. But Ecuador probably could have gone on there and absolutely claimed all three points. They were that good. The Dutch look rattled. The Dutch certainly don't look up to the competition. And probably, we could have said, maybe we'll all agree here, that Ecuador should have taken all three points. Yeah, I thought they should have taken all three points. Out wide, the two wingbacks for Ecuador, Ecuador playing a back five and really a back three, and then the two wingbacks providing the width in that line of four. Moises Caicedo wasn't one of his best games. It was always going to be a difficult matchup between he and Frankie Diong. Caicedo was at fault. It was an errant pass and really errant touch of his that sprung Cody Gakko for mm -hmm. the first goal. But the play of Purvis Estupinan, man, this guy is a baller. We saw him at Villarreal last year, and Lucho, you've gotten to see him play in Spain, and now he's bringing his talents to the World Cup, and to the Premier League. That interchanging between he and was it Ener Valencia. Valencia not playing as a lead striker, playing as one of the two attacking mids, he and Plata underneath. I thought the tactical setup, though they went down, to get back and really dominate in possession, dominate physically, this Ecuadorian team is, is playing lights out. And the character, the belief, there's a growing sense of belief about this team that they can go not just compete with anyone, but beat some of the biggest names in this tournament. Mm -hmm. Definitely, in every every fifty fifty they were there, and every uh, second ball they were there, and every uh, pressure and uh, high line, every single aspect of the game they were dominated. They were winning. You could see that the Netherlands didn't know what to do with the ball. They gave something that I wanted to throw here. They gave the MVP to Frankie Young, and he was saying, "Listen, we were so bad." He, he took the the, the 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 award like saying, "Why they give it this to me? Because I wasn't good enough today." And you could see Stupinian. Gonzalo Plata, um, uh, uh, Preciado on the right side, or even Erner, or in the middle of the park, in the middle of the park, uh, Caicedo. All those players overrun the Netherlands yeah. in the middle of the park and up front. The defense was just fantastic. Didn't allow any Bergis, not anyone from the Netherlands team to to create any chance. And said that. They give it the prize today. So I don't know. The other day, Kevin De Bruyne was exactly saying, was embarrassed to receive the ball. No, we didn't. We weren't good enough today. So, I'm, but that's another conversation. Anyway, I think there was there was fantastic, mm -hmm. and I I wasn't really confident about this uh, Ecuador team. But mm -hmm. if they play the the way they play today, oof, this team is gonna be. What about what about the Dutch though, Lucho? What about the Dutch though? I mean, because they, they, they haven't I looked was, good. Huh? Yeah, they were poor, very, very poor. I mean, I could see Frankie Young just dropping so much to try to make like the third, the line of three to try to bring the ball up. But in the moment he got the ball, was looking at him and say, to who? I have to throw this ball because if I'm not in the middle, yeah. who is in the middle? Because Klassen yeah. wasn't even near him. And, and there was no one else. The, the, the three players up front, they were far away. So every single time he was dropping down, grabbing the ball and looking around and saying, and what, what can I do now? I have to 
start making the, 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 the run forward, try to break two lines. And Ecuador, they are quick and they are strong. So it's not easy to, to, to break those lines. So it was about Ake or Van Dijk. Van Dijk was decent today. And, and Ake trying to bring the ball forward. But there was no one to try to build up. It was all about sending long balls to Gako. And I think it wasn't uh, go, not good enough. Yeah, credit to Ecuador. I think they're fantastic. I think the thing with Ecuador as well, people should realise is they're a young side. They've got a real tremendous amount of talent. It's not this World Cup. It's the next World Cup is when you should really be worried. At that age where they'll all be in that prime of their career and how they're playing now, it's fantastic to see. The setup was all right. The energy was there. And I think that when you see that performance from Ecuador today, they knew that this would be more so of a challenge than obviously the Qatar game. So they were really, really tuned in for this. And it's what people have said a lot in that Latin American region. Ecuador is one of those teams you need to watch out for because the talent that they've got, this could be their golden generation. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next year or two if they pop up with a, a young, talented striker to really finish and polish off this squad. But they were great. As for, for the Dutch, I wasn't impressed with them when I saw them against Senegal. I thought that at times when Senegal pressed them high, they gave the ball away. They looked questionable and looked vulnerable. And we all know when you see that in a team, whether you see it once or twice, you know straight away that you need to press that team because they are not comfortable from playing out the back. Yes, they are the Dutch masters, but you can see this team still doesn't show enough confidence and belief in all their abilities to play out the back. So I'm not surprised by their performance. And I thought Ecuador dominated them and Ecuador deserved to win this game today. And I think now we've seen a real reflection of where we see Holland in this World Cup. And I see them as a good team good enough to maybe make it out of the group stages but that's about it but not to make a deep run in this competition because I just don't see enough where they can make substitutions can affect the game or, or do a lot of changes and even Van Howe how we love him so much he was so honest that they didn't deserve to win today and that's why I admire about a manager who tells the truth when we looked at the lineup and we signed off on this asking how do you go up against this Dutch team Ecuador going with the back five and the question was do you sit back and absorb? Or do you do, Nigel, I think Ian, you both tossed this up, or do you do what Senegal did to press? Ecuador's goal, look at what it came off of. Once they went behind the goal, they changed their tactics up. They started moving their line of confrontation higher up the field, and they started pressing. The goal came off of a high press. They won it in the Netherlands end. Frankie de Jong gambling on a pass to Justin Timber. Justin Timber thinking he was Justin Timberlake trying to be the star of a show, playing higher up the field. I don't know what a center back and a back three is ever doing in the middle of the park next to a defensive midfielder. And because he evacuated that space, Ecuador was lethal on the counter, and it was the likes of Estupinan and Ener Valencia. One thing to think about with Ecuador as we sign off on this game is Ener Valencia's health. As he goes, this team really goes in terms of finishing in the box. He's been the clinical player in this World Cup, really, next to Richarlson and what we've seen with some of the other players. But I really have thought that he's been such a poacher and looked really primed for this tournament. For the Netherlands, they are desperate and they need Memphis Depay to get healthy. There's a difference when he comes on the field. There's more clever movement, but his health, they don't look the same team with his health being on the recovery path. Nigel, anything to add there? You're a bit disappointed. No, I mean, it's, it's interesting what Mike said because we talked about it and I asked you the question, Ian, about the, the formation. They're going the wrong way yep. about it. And I said to you that for me, when you look at that game, it, it's you should analyze games and teams. You know, when you see the foundation, the fundamental foundation is there. When I saw Senegal press that Dutch team, they struggled playing out the back and chances were there. So I said to you guys that I think Ecuador should press them high. And like Mike said, when they started to press them high, that was it. But when you sit off them, 
anyone, Lucho, I tell you, any half-decent player, you give them time and space on the ball, they'll do amazing things. You close them down, they're going to have to work harder to make something happen. Yep, let's get into some useless stats before we get out of here as well. Ena Valencia now scored in the last uh, six goals in World Cups for Ecuador, dating back to 2014. His third of this tournament, leading the goal scoring, obviously, in the World Cup. And uh, here's another stat for you. No player in the tournament's history has scored six consecutive World Cup goals for a South American nation. And a quick word on Cody Gakpo. He's been directly involved in 34 goals in 28 games for Club and Country, 18 assists, 16 goals. He has been the one star that's pretty much shining but still a youngster trying to prove himself on the big stage and uh, a lot of weight to take on your shoulders when the Dutch expect, including their fans. Let's have a quick word on Qatar against Senegal before we round out this group here. Senegal getting the victory. Uh, Boulay Di and of uh, Dedu. And then we also had uh, Bamba Dieng. Yes, Mike, I'm coming to you about Dieng once again. Uh, but Lucho, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Qatar get a goal. It's a consolation goal for them in the competition so far. Uh, but Senegal look pretty good. Um, do they have enough though? That would be the question to get out of this group because now they're competing against Ecuador in that final match. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that, that's the main thing. Do they have enough to to score goals? Do they have enough? Because you know they they they, they are fighters. They they run so much. They are so strong. But at the end, it's about creating chances. And today, actually, I, I like Qatar today. I they 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 look relief and they they look more the ball. They were. I don't know. They, 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 I enjoy the game, actually. I, I, we saw them just creating, arriving, putting a little bit more of effort. The first game, I think that they were just scared, afraid, or they, I don't know what they were expecting. They just overwhelmed by, by the situation. But today, uh, you can see there is there is something there. The quality on some of the players, the, the, the way that they play was actually decent, let's call it this way. And yeah, we all knew that it was going to be difficult, even though there wasn't a very strong team with uh, Senegal and the Netherlands. Uh, but uh, I know that, that there's something there. It's still a long way. There's a, a not that much culture on that uh, on that country about football. But it, it was okay. That goal, I think, is uh, something uh, special for them. But definitely, I'm not sure if they are going to be happy with the, <laughs> to be the first team going out of this World Cup. Being a home. Mike, Mike, what's your thoughts? Who gets out of the group? Oh, I still pick this Ecuador team, and it pains me to ever go against my African countries. But <laughs> without Saidu Mane, the Senegal team, they're just not the same. And this game, really, when you look at that PK call, and I'd like to hear, we've touched on it before, but I still think that was a PK that Qatar should have had. And had that gone in, the way Qatar was playing in that match, I think Senegal would have been rattled. But you have to be boosted if you're a Senegalese fan or if you're or just watching the group, the play and the redemptive play of Edouard Mendy. He stood on his head, and that looked more like the Mendy of old and the Mendy that helped them get to the AFCON final and win it all. Nigel, before we get out of here, who does get out of the group in your opinion? I've got a feeling you're favouring Ecuador a little bit here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ecuador for me. I just, I, I feel that just when you look at the ball movement, the discipline, the shape, and the technical aspect of the game, Ecuador play for me at just a slightly higher level than Senegal. And I, I, I really do. I look at the ball like at times that you go back, and Michael tell you that sometimes it's like too much attention on yourself. There's not enough team effort and teamwork into it. When you look at this Ecuador side. It's all about the team. Senegal side, it becomes a bit too individual, taking too many touches. When you can move that ball in a one touch and move it again, keep that team dynamic going. And again, like Mike said as well, Saudi Mane is a big factor. But I think right now, when you look at Ecuador, it's a real team dynamic. Careful focus. with 
Nigel, but remember that the, uh, I think we we saw today Valencia leaving injured. We don't know if yeah. he's going to be available. And the, we are talking about the top scorer of the team, so it's not going to be easy yeah, for them. You, I don't see many Lucha, when you get that sometimes, I understand. But with Ecuador, what you see, it's next man stand up. They've got a real good, talented young team. And I feel they'll find a way to score a goal. I feel they'll find a way to score a goal, while Senegal is still trying to find a way, in my opinion. Anyway. I just Ecuador. We have all played with those players who, in the 85th minute, <clears throat> which of course, yeah, um, they go down with that little injury, you know, I'm knackered, you know. Like, he was doing like, like this, like saying, please take me out of here because I cannot move. Yeah. Oi, Ian, Lucho got yeah. my mate sent off to miss the FA Cup final. Lucho doesn't know this. One of my best e- mates explain got him that. sent off. Explain Hayden the story. Mullins. Lucho got Hayden Mullins sent off. Uh, I think it's a week or two before the, the FA Cup final. It was the FA Cup final because of Lucho yeah, Garcia. We might have to save that story for the uh, House of Champions after our show, after we've had a few bevies and then we can really get into it. Uh, quick preview of the games coming up tomorrow. Argentina, Mexico, mm-hmm. Poland against Saudi Arabia, France, Denmark, Tunisia, Australia. A lot of big games, Michael LaHood. Which one do you have your eye on and why? It has to be Argentina-Mexico. Massive game, statement games for both teams for obvious reason. Argentina, shock defeat to Saudi Arabia. How do they respond? How does Messi show up? And really, what does Scaloni do? I think some changes need to be made. Does Christian Romero start or does Martinez go into the back line? And Mexico, could this be the game that the likes of Chucky Lozano and Raul Jimenez really put their stamp on this national team? Yo, definitely is one that, I, of course, I got my eye on. And the other one is France against Denmark. I think if France needs to show that what they've done in the first game is going to continue. I don't want to see another team doing like England, trying to wait and see what happened with Denmark. Denmark knows that they have to go for it. Uh, the, the, the result of the first game with that draw is not going to be enough if they want to go through. We know that they are a good team, but maybe not that good. So I, I hope that they, they can do well, but... Yeah, I think that Argentina, Mexico. Oh, wow, I can't wait for that one. You don't even need to ask me, Ian. I'm just going with the guys. Argentina, <laughs> Mexico. Let's like, just, let's be real. That's the main game. We want to see a reaction from Argentina and Mexico are no mugs. They are absolute fighters. They're the Mexico that we kind of remember, just missing that special play in the final third. But mm-hmm. everything else is as Mexican as you get in the sense of their their approach to the game of football. What a game! All right. I will, I will change it a little bit. Obviously, I'm looking forward to seeing Messi against Mexico. You know, I hope Mexico absolutely hammered. And, uh, and that's for obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, but also want to see France do well and continue this momentum. I want to see how Denmark react after a poor first game. Um, but I've got my eyes on Saudi Arabia taking on mm. Poland. And here's one of the reasons why. And this is a question for you, Luis Garcia. Saudi Arabia were just given a Rolls Royce. The prince has donated, <laughs> not donated, given a Rolls Royce to every single player after their victory against Argentina and rightfully so they should be absolutely applauded for what they did do but the question to you was I want to know your thoughts on the Rolls Royce from the Saudi Prince but also what was the best gift you received in your career that maybe was something after a Champions League or a European Championships or a World (laughs) Cup or whatever You, you tell me what that best gift was no, the best gift was a, a Frank Muller watch that we received from uh, the the team uh, back in 2005 when we won the Champions League with our name. It's a, a special edition that they made for us with the Champions League all engraved and your number and your name at the back, a number of you on your shirt. So it was uh, quite special and I got a uh, somewhere and <laughs> what have you missed <laughs> but yeah definitely was very special but yeah I will have uh, g- uh, got that Rolls Royce as well very gladly 
<laughs> I love to hear it. Nigel, what about you? There must have been a nice little gift. I mean, I know down in the lower leagues, we used to get those brown paper envelopes, but... <laughs> And it was brown paper bag money. We were the boys trying to get up there. Yeah, brown paper bag money. No I love to hear it. <laughs> boys, 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 thank you so much for joining us as always. Thanks to everybody out there for joining us and listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. We're back at it again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. Boys, I appreciate you, Michael LaHood. Congratulations. The U.S. men got a point. It's not a win, but it is a point, and it's a celebration for the United States men as they move on to match day three. Nigel Luch, thank you so much uh, enjoy your night Nigel you might need to have that bottle of wine that was sent over to you by Jonathan Johnson uh, Luis Garcia enjoy the sangria see you next time Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.